Today, we read a frantic text from our son. We check in with Conan, not the late-night guy, the barbarian. We ponder the reason for flying the flag upside down. We read from the Declaration of Independence, and we let Jesus get the final word. Finally, all on the way to answering the question, which flag do you fly? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. When I was a kid, my family would set out our crash scene at the beginning of December. And we would carefully place Mary, Joseph, and the animals around the manger. But the manger itself remained empty. There was no baby Jesus. Baby Jesus was not going to be added to the scene until he was supposed to be there on his birthday, Christmas Day. Where he would remain in that manger for the next 12 days of Christmas. But it wasn't until the last of those 12 days, January 6th, epiphany that the wise men appeared and were added to the scene. Because at least in the Western Christian churches, and the Eastern churches see epiphany as a different thing, but in Western Christian churches, epiphany is the celebration of the arrival of the wise men. Unfortunately, this year, on January 6th, epiphany, it was not men of wisdom who arrived on the scene and it grabbed our attention. This epiphany, I was sitting in my makeshift recording studio in our home doing some editing when I received a text from Daniel, our son. And Daniel works from home on the other side of town. And he often has the television on with a sound turned off, news station on, as he does his work. His text was simple that came into me, but it was alarming. It was one sentence question. Are Eleanor and Peter okay? Now, Eleanor and Peter are longtime friends who live in D.C., within walking distance of the Capitol. I texted Daniel back and asked, why do you ask? His answer was simple. Turn on the news. Like many of you, I sat in stunned disbelief as I watched the invasion of our nation's Capitol building. Surreal disbelief, depression, And fear were all emotions that kept taking their turns, assaulting me. I recently watched a video by Arnold Schwarzenegger. It was his reaction following the events of that day. One of the things he spoke about was receiving calls from friends in other countries who were genuinely disturbed and shaken. I will assume that all of his friends to whom he was referring don't always agree with the policies of our country, the United States, because, well, let's be honest, those of us who are citizens of the United States who are listening to this, we don't always agree with the policies of our nation either. But for them, our nation, the home of the world's oldest democracy, is a symbol of that very form of government. Our nation is, for many people across the globe, a symbol of democracy. If the people 
who look to us as a symbol of this remarkable form of government found themselves shaken. Well, I watched the events unfold and I was shaken too. As I was watching the news at one point, Van Jones, one of the news commentators I was listening to on television, made a powerful comment. He said, what we don't know right now is whether we're watching the beginning or the end. He pointed out that we don't know if this is the last gasp and death throes of something, or is it the beginning of something that we're going to be seeing more of in the future. In 1995, when Timothy McVeigh bombed the federal building in Oklahoma City, we were all, I think, awakened to a dangerous kind of right-wing fanaticism within our country. But even after that horrible atrocity, most of us, I think, most of us didn't wonder if this was the beginning or the end of something. It was just, we assumed, a horrible momentary aberration within our country and our history. Timothy McVeigh attacked that building in Oklahoma City because it was a symbol of our national government. But on January 6th, the attack and the invasion weren't on a symbol. That attack was on the symbol, our nation's Capitol building. As we heard multiple times from news commentators who were talking about the events. During the Civil War, there was talk that the Capitol Dome, which was being built at the time, there was talk that its construction should be paused while our nation was at war with itself. But Lincoln and others decided to continue the construction during the war, even though resources were incredibly tight because the construction was a sign The construction was a reminder that this nation would endure. This nation would still stand and function after the conflict was long over. That is literally what the Capitol was built to represent. That the ideals of freedom, justice, and liberty, as espoused by our government, will endure. Even as we sometimes fall short of those worthy goals, The building is a reminder, a call for us to always strive to live out the best of what democracy has to offer. So over the next couple of days after January 6th, after the invasion of our capital by the anti-democracy extremists, I found myself doing what I imagine many of you were doing as well. I became a rabid consumer of news and information. I was like a starving man, desperate for sustenance, but couldn't find anything that would sate his hunger. In this case, my hunger was for some information to help me make sense of what happened. I had no frame of reference to take the events of last Wednesday and deal with them in any way that left me with any sort of comfort or hope. In the midst of my pouring through news feeds, I saw a picture of an American flag being flown upside down. It got my curiosity. I kind of thought, hmm, what's that all about? And I assumed it was related to these events, so I clicked on the article. 
Now, I have to say, this article led me to other things. I suddenly found myself down a rabbit hole regarding the American flag and the events of January 6th. Yes, the flag had been flown upside down over the West Virginia Capitol building, not over the nation's capital. And it was unrelated to the events in our nation's capital. It was simply a first-time employee replacing the state flag, having not done it before, and he was nervous and excited and made a mistake and flew it upside down and was horrified that so many people were upset and attributed it as a political statement of some sort. But there were lots of people online who believed that flying the flag upside down was a trending response to the events in our nation's capital, so there were lots of people offering their thoughts, their opinions, telling what the law was regarding the flying of the flag. It started with questions about whether or not this happened in Washington, then questions about whether or not it was a response to the Washington events. And then, as you know, on the internet, there are always knowledgeable pundits who want to tell everyone else their knowledge. And so there were a lot of those people who wanted others to know that flying the flag upside down is a crime and that people have gone to jail for such an offense. As I went further down the rabbit hole regarding the flag, there is a code. Actually, there are multiple codes, but there is code of appropriate conduct in regards to the flag. The one I wound up reading through is mostly intended as guideline for federal employees. It's not law. It's especially intended for people like the military to know how and when and what's appropriate. So it tells them things that The flag shouldn't adorn clothing or be put on throw pillows. Yes, that's in there. And no, actually, it's not illegal to fly the flag upside down. And best anyone can tell, no one's ever gone to jail for that. Probably someone somewhere has been locked up. But no, no one has ever legally gone to jail for that. Matter of fact, flying the flag upside down is a recognized sign of distress. Not as in a sign of sadness and unhappiness like flying the flag at half-mast. Flying the flag upside down has mostly been used in maritime situations as a signal that the ship flying the flag is in mortal danger. Nor is this actually purely an American thing. There was an example I read about somewhere else in the world, but fairly recently, that a ship had been boarded and taken over by pirates. And the pirates had taken the crew hostage, taken the ship hostage, and taken down the flag. And eventually, the hostage ship was passed by an armed patrol ship. And one of the hostage crew members convinced the pirates that it would become suspicious to the armed patrol ship if no flag was flying on their ship. So he was allowed to go up on deck and fly their flag, except he assumed they wouldn't notice that he was flying the flag upside down. The patrol ship saw it, was alerted, and the crew was rescued. Several maritime experts said it's not an official sign that is taught or encouraged as a call of distress, but they also made the point that when all else fails, it's actually a pretty effective way of communicating your distress. And no, the flag was not flown upside down over the Capitol on January 6th, although I would say in this case, if ever there was one, The situation warranted it. As I read more, I saw all sorts of rules about flying the flag. The American flag, while in American territories and on American vessels, flies the highest. 
So if your scout troop is flying the American flag, the state flag, the scout flag, all at the same time, the American flag is held or raised the highest. With two exceptions that I found. One is kind of obvious. It's the United Nations. Although the United Nations is hosted by the United States in New York City, the rule does not apply to them for, I think, obvious reasons. Another exception I found in reference to a military setting is in the case of a religious ceremony. Say, a funeral that is taking place on a ship. The faith flag may fly higher than the American flag in a worship setting. So all this reading about the flag got me thinking. We live in a grand country that is the symbol of democracy to much of the world. One of the realities of living in a country with the freedoms that we do is that sometimes, sometimes the views espoused are distasteful. As the mob gathered for their rally, long before they made their march towards the capital, they were awash in flags. Not just American flags, not just Trump flags. The flag of the Confederacy. The Kekistan flag. I never had heard of it before this. It's green and white and has four Ks all facing off in different directions, and it's modeled on the Nazi flag. There were white power symbols being shown, Nazi symbols being shown, even a shirt that said Camp Auschwitz being worn by someone. There were so many symbols of hate, intimidation, and oppression that were flown, displayed around, on the steps, and even inside our nation's capital. What was clear through the symbols being shown was that there were massive numbers of people whose first allegiance was not to our nation's democracy, but to other ideologies. We live in a nation where one of the trade-off realities of being part of this democracy is that people can espouse their ideas, even those we find abhorrent. Our form of government and our nation allows for that. Our God does not. It should not go without notice that even our military understands, even in military settings, faith should fly higher than the flag. God is supreme, period, no contest. I want to be clear, the flags that were flown in and around our nation's capital were not flags of dissent. They were flags of hate. And as far as I'm concerned, a belief in God and hatred towards others are incompatible. As much as I love this nation and I get goosebumps every time the national anthem is played, I believe in difficult times like these, we don't try to solve it by waving the flag. We solve it by returning to the bedrock principles upon which we were founded. Reminding ourselves of those principles and more importantly, reminding ourselves of their origin. The first, the very first statement we ever made as a nation was a great one. It was the Declaration of Independence. And in it, we say 
and you'll recognize these words. In it we say, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as bedrock principles of our great nation. But more importantly is where those values come from. We believe that all of humanity is endowed with those rights simply because those rights are intended by the God who created them. In times like these, it's important to ask ourselves, whose banner do you follow in your life? What flag do you raise higher than any other? It's time to hoist the flag of God and allow it to guide us. I am not in this point talking about the flag of institutional faith or even your local congregation, because sometimes those two are shaped and tinged by our politics. I'm talking about reminding ourselves that either we are a nation who offers liberty and justice for all, as is called for by our Creator. And if not, we are not just falling down on our American ideals. It is worse than that. We are failing the call from the God who created us. Our nation promises life, liberty, freedom, and justice for all people. Unless you think... This is a political rant from Dan, espousing his beliefs. Let's turn to God. What does God want from us? Well, in this case, to make sure that I'm not just using my words, I'll turn further to Scripture, and I'll give the final words to Jesus. When he was asked exactly this question, he was asked, Will you sum it up for us? Will you tell us the most important commandment? And Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, our God the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, maybe you hear that quote as me cherry-picking a scripture passage, thinking, well, that's fine, but That's just one thing Jesus says. Jesus says all sorts of things. But wait, he's not done. Here's the final statement he makes at the end of what I just read. Jesus doesn't just say to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He doesn't just say to love your neighbor as yourself. He finishes these definitive words with this exclamation point. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's all for today. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Be sure to check me out on Facebook. Just search for SkyPilot Faith Quest. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, I encourage you to do so. My email is skypilot at gmail.com. That's S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T-T-T, three T's in skypilot at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot FaithQuest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, 
The sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.